Hello and welcome to episode 973 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, August 27th, and I'm your host, Paul Spohr. Joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? I'm quite well. How about yourself? Doing all right. Was a little bit late to work today because I did not factor in the fact that every kid is back in school. Oh, so. yeah. I saw like five pictures of back to school kids yeah. on my timeline today. Yeah. So figuring out how to get out of my house in the morning was quite a problem with like five schools within <laughs> like a two mile radius of my house. Holy so. smokes. It was it was a little bit of a problem, but I made it. I'm here. Wow. Yeah. yeah. At, least, at least you made it all good. Uh, we got plenty of baseball to talk about, so let's just dive in. We'll start with our news, put a couple of very big-time players in focus, talk a little bit about their 2022 outlooks, then play some holder fold, and end with some waiver pickup recommendations. Let's start with some bad news. Unfortunately, Reese Hoskins is going to be done for the year. Um, I believe it's a shoulder. Should have written that down. No, abdominal. Abdominal. Uh, tear, yeah. Okay. Abdominal tear sounds so brutal. I mean, how much are you moving your midsection when you're doing anything? So that sounds absolutely awful. Um, Hoskins, you know, quietly had a pretty solid season. Um, 247, 334, 530, 27 homers, 71 ribbies, 64 runs, three steals chipped in. We've talked talked about it a million times this year. 247 average is not harming you the way it has in years past. Uh, The 864 OPS was good for a 133 WRC plus or uh, OPS plus, excuse me. So he's 33% above league average, just a quality season from Hoskins that now folks are going to miss a month of, unfortunately bad news for Philly as well. Obviously we don't talk as much about the, uh, the real life implications of things, but this is a big blow for fantasy folks uh, in the second half. Hoskins had a 12, 10 OPS with seven homers. Does this abdominal tear, uh, have any impact for you on his 2022 outlook? Because he's an obvious cut, of course, being out for the year. So is there anything for next year that would have you concerned here? Not from this injury per se. I mean, he's going to have surgery. It's not even September yet. He's going to have plenty of time to rehab from it. And this injury is separate from what originally put him on the IL, which was a groin strain. Uh, yes. They, they, did, they did kind of say, like, hey, this is not related necessarily, but something that popped up and he's been dealing with all, you know, for a while. Dang. Um, but, I mean, still playing pretty well. My biggest concern is this will be like the second year in a row that he's ended the season with an injury. Um, oh, wow. I, f- I totally forgot that he ended on injury last year. Yeah, I remember there was concerns he wasn't going to be ready to start the season this year. That's right. He only, yeah, he only played 41 games and, again, played remarkably well. Mm-hmm. So Hoskins has now basically a full season's worth of numbers these last two years combined with 628 plate appearances of a 132 WRC+. plus. did say it right that time uh, with 37 homers, but two season-ending injuries now. Uh, you know, muddies the water on the profile as we go to age 29. Now. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think he's going to be super expensive though. That's fair. Especially because first base, I think has gotten a little, uh little more appealing this year. Yep. Yeah. So uh, he's, he's a guy that I'd be interested in targeting, especially if I'm using him as my CI. Uh, That'd be really nice for Austin. Yeah. I think that would be, uh, I think a decent spot uh, for him in you know in 12 and 15s um he's one of those guys that until we see what his price is going to be you know he could end up being kind of a really nice bargain 
because uh, I mean, 37 home runs over the course of the last two seasons, like you said, that kind of gives us, you know, 148 game sample, mm-hmm. uh, which is likely what he would, you know, probably play anyway. So uh, that that that's a lot of power, especially in your OBP leagues. He obviously takes a huge jump forward, you know, because he's a double digit walk rate guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think um, I think I'll be interested in him next year, depending on the price. Well, you and I are early drafters, yes. um, and so you know we we start drafts up sometimes before the season even ends. What, those leagues, I think, could offer a great price on Hoskins because he'll be out of people's minds, having mm-hmm. been on the IL for the next month plus, depending on when those drafts start. And I think he'll be on the back burner a little bit. Then maybe over the course of the offseason, as he heals, people maybe write some articles like, don't forget Reese Hoskins type of deal. His price might go up, but I think there could be an advantage for folks like us who draft early, sneak in some cheap Hoskins shares, and then we'll kind of see how his price evolves uh, as, as the draft season goes. Let's talk about replacements for folks. I got a couple guys here that I want to go over, and then your your waiver reco for this week is another that we'll get to later. But let's start with Connor Joe out in Colorado. And uh, he's no doubt taking advantage of being a Colorado Rocky, but also doing some things on the road. Had a had a double dong game the other day. Um, I mean, you look at his season line now. He's hitting 292, 376, 500 with eight homers in 55 games for Connor Joe. Uh, all eight of those homers are in the second half. I mean, that's basically when he's been playing. Has been the second half. Played a, played a decent bit in May, didn't do anything special. Had 11 plate appearances in June, still nothing special. Really turned it on in July, and, and then this August has six homers. It's Connor Joe, someone who interests you as a uh, Reese Hoskins villain. Yeah, because, I mean, he's playing pretty much every day now. And leading um, off. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, now that they've kind of moved him out to left field, uh, they're kind of giving him real run because uh, the problem was CJ Cron was kind of blocking him. Uh, it kind of looks like it's going to prevent him from likely picking up first base eligibility heading into next season. Oh, uh, dang. He's got 13 games there now. Uh, so, I mean, your Yahoo leagues, he'll have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, he has not played first base since uh, – August 11th, and that was only the second time, the only only second time in August that he, he played first. So I don't know if he's going to be able to pick up seven games rest yeah. of the way. Uh, so he'll be outfield eligible, uh, eligible coming into next year. That being said, I mean, he could be the everyday first baseman. Well, you know, Crone's going to be on a new team, right? Like that. that I would assume. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying, uh, mostly because he has to be on a new team every year, but also because we don't think the Rockies would pay a thirty-something, even off a great year. Speaking of big, um, uh, big Augusts, by the way, have you seen what CJ mm-hmm. Crone is doing? Oh yeah, yeah. It may have changed over the last uh, two days because I checked back on Tuesday or uh, Wednesday, rather. But he was leading the league in OPS and batting average for the month. Mm-hmm. Um, he took big time advantage of the homestand. Speaking of, by the way, they do have a, a three game set at Texas. So you could see Joe playing defense there, uh, Crone DHing, but that's only going to get you to 16. They don't have any other AL interleague the rest of the way. In fact, by the way, worth mentioning that they only have seven, 10, 16 home games the rest of the way. I guess that's not 
too crazy. I think it's probably about a 50-50 mm. split for their remaining games, especially if you don't count this weekend series because most people are going to make a pickup on Sunday. So you'll miss that Dodgers series for Connor Joe. You'll start next week at Texas and then get seven straight home games. Um, so might be worth going for Connor Joe. What about Jamer Candelario for the Tigers? I think uh, he's a little bit under the radar for what he's been able to do. He's, he's turned it on in the summer as well. You know he has an MLB high 34 doubles, and I know that doesn't directly play for what we're doing, but that's ribbies for sure when the Tigers have guys on, which they've done a pretty good job. They're, they're a capable offense. Uh, Ten homers on the year, five in the second half with a 297 average. He's really been cooking in July and August in particular. Jamer Candelario, strike your fancy at all? Yeah, I think he's kind of a low upside but high or yeah, high floor type of dude. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's he's not a guy where it's like, oh, I'm going to catch lightning in a bottle or anything like that. But he's going to give you pretty solid production, especially in your deeper formats. Um, you know, maybe in my tens and twelves, he's probably not the guy I'm looking for. I probably prefer a Connor Joe or a guy who's you know, could potentially like help win me my league. But if I'm just looking for a glue guy to get consistent stats, especially like maybe if I'm like winning already in my league and I just want to make sure I'm continuing to bad my stats, he, he's a guy I would definitely target. Yeah, I've been impressed seeing with what, uh, seeing what Jamer Candelario has done this year and the Tigers offense as a whole, obviously. Everyone knows I'm a Tigers fan. Uh, they've been fun to watch, you know, even as a team that has no real uh, real playoff shot. They kind of shot themselves with that 8-19 and 19 April, but they've been an exciting team uh, since then. Got to get a kill by Dubak from that uh, nasty collision that he had with, I want to say, Daz Cameron or Derek Hill. I can't remember which. I think it was Derek Hill. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. So um, he'll be back, and he's been a catalyst for that offense. So Candelario is not a bad pickup. You talk about that hit- hitting lightning in a bottle type situation. That's what your guy is. When we get to him, mm-hmm. you know, he could turn things and give you Hoskins-esque power. In fact, he's kind of a baby Hoskins. So we'll get into that down the line. But let's move on to our next one. I swear this is not a note left over from previous episodes. Um, it's just happening again. Gavin Lux is being sent out. And it's been a bad year, plain and simple. We're not going to sugarcoat it. Six homers, three steals, 221, 302, 340 line for the 23-year-old in 85 games. And yet, I think this is going to be like a nail in the coffin for some folks, and I'm not even close to that level yet, despite Mm -hmm. the awful season and, frankly, the awful 472 plate appearances that he's accumulated over the last three seasons. Because that, that combined number is still so low, though, that's why I'm not giving up on Lux. He's going to be age 24 next year. But, but where are you? Where, what's your assessment of him? Obviously, the price is going to come down. So I think we'll be able to get him at a very fair price if we want to stay bought in. But have you adjusted your outlook at all? Have you lowered the ceiling? Where do you currently stand with Gavin Lux? Um, I'm not giving up on him at all. If anything, I'm a bit encouraged by this season. Uh, and people are going to be like, well, he hit 221, like, and, and couldn't carve out a full time role. What, what, what's tell. encouraging? Uh, what's encouraging is he's walking at a double digit rate, a 10% walk rate this year. Mm-hmm. He dropped his strikeout rate to 23.4%. Um, yes, he's in 221, but he's also got a 277 BABIP. His XBA is 250. So, and 250, I can deal with. And, oh, and for I think sure. there's plenty of potential. For more than that, there's definitely power in his bat. Six home runs, stole three bases, so like he's shown like the ability to hit 
you know, go deep. He's shown the ability to steal bases. He's got a zone contact percentage of almost 89%. Um, wow. Like, these are all numbers that tell me, yeah, this is a much better player than the results have shown so far. Uh, and you have to think at some point the Dodgers will either give him full run or trade him. Yes. Um, I think he could definitely easily get traded in the offseason. Uh, but the fact that they haven't traded him tells me they still believe in the kid. I yeah, and he wasn't in the Turner deal, right? Which mm -hmm. I think there was a lot of expectation that he would be when we were throwing out names when we knew it was Turner and, and Scherzer. It's like, well, well, Lux can go back with, with Josiah Gray. Um, and it turned out to be Kiebert Ruiz. They are still going to have Turner next year, but Seager's going to be gone. So they could still have an avenue to play Lux um, full-time if they're ready to trust him. Or like you said, I think I think a trade. If they don't have plans for full-time this year, uh, coming into 2022, I think they do trade him uh, because mm -hmm. that's still an asset that that they can get something back for and shore up the pitching if they want to, if they want to do that. And somebody will give, you know, will, will give a pretty decent price to put Lux in their full-time lineup, um, either at shortstop or second base. So I'm right there with you. I'm not giving up at all. And like I said, the price is going to come down even further, um, especially in the early half of draft season. It may trickle up as spring starts if he if, if he's appealing, or if Gavin Lux does get traded and that that becomes like a very favorable spot, people will start to get re regenerated. I don't even think his peak price will be that cost prohibitive, though, even if he has like a badass spring and he has a full-time role. I think Gavin Lux will be affordable all throughout draft season. Yeah, I wonder if they decide to maybe um, move him to like left field or something. I was going like to say that. to the outfield, yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, A.J. Pollock, I think his contract uh, comes up here pretty quickly. He's 30, um, 34 next year. I don't know that they necessarily. Well, he, he's got a. Oh, he's going. I guess he's he's under contract for another two years. So. Oh, word. Okay, he can opt out after this year, but but does he want? I mean, he'd be coming off a great season, especially if he puts a, a big September on top of what Pollock's already done. Um, Is anybody going to pay him more than twenty or or twelve million? Or I don't know what he's got. I, I know his annual value is twelve million. Yeah, so, I was going to look up the exact price of, of what he's making. I wouldn't be completely floored to hear that suggested. It's um, it's thirteen million for next year, and then a player option in twenty twenty three that includes a five million dollar buyout. So it's eight. You'd be on the hook for eighteen mil if they traded for him. Maybe that maybe that happens too. Maybe they trade him, but I don't know. He's thirty four. Yeah, you're you're no, not. No one, yeah, no one's trading for AJ Pollock. And I don't think that they're trading with another buyer. Yeah, I don't know that he would opt out. He is still 34. I, I think if he likes the Dodgers, you know, if they win a World well, Series, another World Series. Go ahead. We assume that we assume that DH comes to the National League next year. You assume that. You don't believe that's going to happen. You this still think it's going to happen this year? There, it, I think there's a chance. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, I obviously am still on that uh, on that train as well. I actually, um, I, I was telling you offline about this this rerun of the Grady Sizemore career that I did, and uh, it's going to be on a YouTube video on my channel. And I did a roast of you because I'm trying to get him into the Hall of Fame. Like he he mm -hmm. he put up numbers good enough to, to possibly get to the Hall of Fame, and I was like, every year that he doesn't get in, I'm like. 
I feel like Justin Mason with the NLDH here. I swear <laughs> Grady's going to get into the whole thing. That's but, awesome. But yeah, I mean, if if the DH happens, then then the Dodgers should keep him, right? Because then they don't have to mm-hmm. play him in the field, and he's a hell of a hitter when healthy. So, um, but you you could still be right about at least giving Lux some outfield to give him some versatility, make him their next Chris Taylor. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, let's talk about two dominating studs. Uh, from last night, Chris Sale and Carlos Carrasco, veterans who are back from injury. Um, Sale had an immaculate inning. For those who don't know what that is, that's three strikeouts on nine pitches in an inning. Very cool stuff. I think they said it was his third of his career tying Sandy Koufax. Pretty decent company. And then uh, Carlos Carrasco had a good outing and uh, actually a fantastic outing. His second straight good one, uh, the first, uh, the one he had last time was, you know, turning a corner a little bit, like five innings, three runs. If you watched it, you kind of saw that he was starting to find his footing. And then yesterday, Carrasco dominated for seven innings, two runs, five strikeouts against the Giants, too. And that's a team that I've become super afraid of this year. I, mm-hmm. I don't start I, – I wouldn't have started Carrasco. I don't have him on a team, but I would not have started him against the Giants. So I'd have missed a gem, but I'm, I'm okay – passing on that meanwhile sale only made it five and a third because he had 80 pitches and obviously they're they're trying to protect him plus they had a big lead two hits two runs two walks eight strikeouts one homer um let's start with sale he's looked pretty great in his three starts made it through five and all three of them wins in all three 21 strikeouts and 15 and a third i i doubt you have any major concerns my only concern would be they're there probably will be a dud start somewhere just because it just always happens to TJ returners. But how pleased are you with what we've seen out of Chris Sale through three starts? I mean, I think you have to be very pleased. Uh, I mean, he has given up three homers. Uh, that is a little bit concerning, but it's still too early and too small of a sample to really put too much into that. Uh but I mean, considering what he's done so far and, and how deep he's gone into games, like he, my biggest concern was one, what's the control and command look like uh, mm-hmm. coming off of Tommy John, and two, like is he going to go deep enough into games to win? He's uh, averaging eighty pitches a game, and he's won all three, so it's been pretty yeah. impressive. Yeah, it's huge for those people who were able to stash him for that long. I mean, I think you know there were some people who tried to, but obviously couldn't afford to with all the injuries this year. But, I mean, I think he probably jumps back into being a top 10 pitcher next year, Uh, maybe even arguably a top five guy. Oh, yeah. If everything finishes on this trajectory for Chris Sale, I'm I'm totally with you. I I just did an update, put it on the site. He already moved. He's he's way up there right now. Um, And here's the thing. Like, even though I I actually – do expect a dud start at some point just because that's been the way of of tj returners the command just leaves them entirely for a day he's still an auto start and like Mm -hmm. you're just gonna have to eat it you know yeah because the schedule's been favorable too. baltimore texas minnesota so he'll 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 have a start against a tough team and maybe that's the one where he gives up three homers or something or or walks five and he's out in three innings it's like you you just kind of have those games where the command is gone no matter what when you're get, making that first comeback from TJ, but he's an auto start right now. Chris Sale's been fantastic for those that uh, that scooped him off the wire, or like you said, were able to keep him long enough. Um, yeah, I mean, 
you know, even that that Baltimore start, like Baltimore's not a good team. They they can do some damage, and they've been hot recently. Yeah, like they they didn't even have MVP Cedric Mullins. Man, they, that was really nice of them to do that for Sam's yeah, first start all, back. Oh, okay. Yeah, we don't want we don't want him to get destroyed. We don't want to embarrass yeah. this kid's confidence. Yeah, I just bought a Chris or a Cedric Mullins jersey. I love it. I love it. I I don't want to jinx anything, but I was talking to you about uh, if I do finish off and win my main event, I'm going to get a jersey of of one of the key players. And uh, I think you and I are on the, on the same page that it, it should be Cronenworth. It's a, absolutely. Yeah. It's you had to get a sud. You had to get a mm-hmm. said Jersey. First off, very cool jerseys that the mm-hmm. Orioles offer. So a lot of cool options for you. And then he's just been, I was watching the game yesterday, two steals for him. He's just been so great. Man. 22 homers, 24 stolen bases. Oh hitting 307, 375, 25. I know you did one uh, on Sunday with Matt Williams, but we'll end up doing one pretty soon about where will we draft these guys next year mm-hmm. with a good handful of, of this year's breakouts and duds. And and said will obviously, obviously be on there. I'll give you a full run to uh, – to discuss how much you're going to take him in the first round. It, next year. It, it's amazing that I haven't lost more weight with the amount of victory laps <laughs> I've been doing on Cedric Mullins. That is the only exercise that you need. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just a few victory laps a day uh, regarding Cedric Mullins and you're good to go. But yeah, he's been amazing. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Carrasco because he just returned pretty recently as well. He has six starts to sales three. Um, but it's been a lot bumpier. Uh, the first start was pretty good, but only four innings. Even the second start, not too bad, but four and a third. Then he gets drummed by Washington of all teams. Dodgers, you're not too worried about him getting beat up by them. Two two innings, six runs. Faces them a second time. That's bad luck, but pitches pretty well. That was the five inning, three runs, six strikeouts, where you really started to see him turn a corner. Then he dominates San Francisco. Is Carrasco a set it and forget it starter for you the rest of the way? I don't know if he said it and forget it, but at least you I know think, you shouldn't face the Dodgers, right? Yeah, I think there's <laughs> there are definitely teams you're going to be like, ooh, I don't, I don't know, but there's not many teams. Uh, you know, I might probably, I, I, especially pitching in that home park, which is you know favorable to pitchers. Uh, I think, I think most teams, I'm going to probably, uh, I'm probably going to roll with him. You know, Giants if he goes against the Giants again, if he goes against the Dodgers again, goes against the Brewers. Uh, but I'm not sitting them against Atlanta. Um, I don't think I'm sitting them against a team like Philly or any other NL East team. So it's more likely than not that I'm going to use Carrasco. He looked really, really good yesterday. I don't know that I would call it dominating, but it was a, it was a very good start. Yeah, it was it was it was quite nice for Carrasco and definitely definitely builds some confidence. I don't think. He should have to face those two uh, NL West teams anymore. They went through that big gauntlet there. They did not really come out the other side of it all that well, uh, but it should be all right for their pitchers the rest of the way. And and what I'm loving is, like, so far through 23 and a third, he's got four walks. That's, That's nice. It. I mean, That's the homers nice. have been an issue, but uh, – you know, I think that's inflated because of the three homers versus the uh, the Dodgers in that mm-hmm. eight fifteen start. And and, and again, not going to hold him to the fire too much for getting beat up by the Dodgers there with Carlos Carrasco. Uh, but yeah, both these guys, injury returners, Sale and Carrasco, looking pretty sharp, especially on Thursday night. Uh, we talked about Edward Cabrera debuting on Wednesday 
uh, last time we talked on on the pod, and that debut has happened, and it was pretty nice. It was a quality start, six in the third, three runs on four hits and three walks, only two strikeouts. He's out there, you know, surviving. Um, you could tell that he's like, I got to get outs, however I can. Strikeouts will come. I'm not worried about it. I was super impressed with four single digit pitch innings, eight nine in the first and second and then seven and eight in the fifth and sixth um the only real inning that he struggled in was the one he gave up all the runs which was the seventh but of course you know of course they had to bring him out for it he was he'd been so efficient Mm -hmm. to that point he only uh he only had 57 pitches going into the seventh so they bring him out he ends up hitting that wall a little bit with with the two home runs uh three runs and two walks but all in all you got to be pretty impressed with what Edward Cabrera did in his debut, right? Super, super impressed. Uh, I mean, this, I mean, the thing I was saying, um, I think it was, must've been on the Monday episode with you uh, was I really want to see how much he uses that change up. Mm-hmm. Um, and he used it a lot and it was effective. Um, and that is super impressive to me for a young guy in his first, you know, uh, first go around. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to see. Uh, you know, I expected a few more strikeouts. Yeah, I'm sure everybody did, but again, surviving. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm okay with that. But I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not thumbing my nose at, at this start. This, this was super, super impressive, uh, from a young guy. Uh, and I'm really excited to kind of watch him rest of the way. He's going to be a really, really uh, huge helium guy if he continues to pitch well, though. What? Uh, yeah, a little uh, Sixto Sanchez ask if he goes off to yeah. that level. What kind yeah. of bids are we expecting this weekend on Edward Cabrera? I would expect people to drop 30 to 50% of the remaining fab. Yeah, I think it's going to be substantial. It's hard to attack a uh, uh, exact dollar value because budgets are so mm-hmm. varied. But um, if you, if I, I would that, be willing to go more than fifty percent of my remaining fab if 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 I'm in need of a starter. Yep, yep. I think I would too because, I mean, the Marlins have really built some credibility with regards to pitcher development. Um, he looked so sharp in that first outing. I don't think they'll all be perfectly smooth sailing, um, but I think the bulk of these remaining starts, which he should get about five, uh, the rest of the way. Should be pretty nice for Edward Cabrera. So I was impressed. I was really, really impressed. Uh, let's talk about a couple guys coming back who also may be on your waiver wires. So make sure you're checking. Matthew Boyd due back Sunday. Um, are you going to go look for him on your waiver wires this week? He's been out for quite a while, but you might not remember he was having a hell of a season: three forty-four ERA, one twenty WHIP. You know, Tigers might have had a real asset to trade uh, had he been healthy. It was unfortunate that he got hurt, you know, just for for himself too, not just because the Tigers couldn't trade him, but he was having uh, quite a season. He had really curbed those homers for the first time ever, and it was impressive to see. It came at the expense of some strikeouts, but I think the trade-off was worth it. Matthew Boyd was looking really nice. Are you going to go scoop him on some wires where available this weekend? Yeah, um, I'm hoping to. I'm interested to see – one, how deep he goes into the game on Sunday. And obviously how well he pitches will determine uh, like what people are willing to pay for him. Uh, 
My guess is he's not going to go five. He hasn't gone five yet in any of his rehab starts. He went two, then three, then four and a third. Uh, you know, clearly they're trying to build him up, but he's been very impressive. No earned runs uh, and no walks in any of these rehab starts. It's pretty efficient. I- I'm going to yeah. say he-, he could go five then. If he's pitching to that level of efficiency, it- it- he'll have to be that efficient, though, because he had mm-hmm. 56 pitches in that last one. You figure they might push it up to about 70. So he's going to have to get through five in about 70 pitches, I would think. Um, but otherwise, I-, I-, I think you might be right. It might come just shy there if it's four and a third, four, two thirds. But uh, I think Boyd is somebody you definitely want to go out and check, particularly if you're going for Edward Cabrera and somebody goes crazy for the shiny new toy, you swoop in and you just count Matt Boyd mm-hmm. uh, almost certainly cheaper, right? Yeah, and I think I would put more money on Boyd. So I'd still be willing to go 50-plus percent of my remaining fab on, on Boyd if, if, he's, if he's the guy I think is the difference maker. I think you might be able to get him cheaper, though. Even Probably. though you're, you're willing to put, yeah, so it's, it's like one of those things. That but we're I mean, at this point in the season, like I'm not messing around. Don't play coy. You're right. You're right. Just yeah. uh, attack the guys that that you want. Go get them and 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 get Matthew Boyd if he's there. Yeah. What about Corey Kluber? He's returning on Monday, though he is expected to piggyback with Andrew Heaney. So if um, you know if he makes it five, I don't think he'll make it five. But no, I, he's going to be an opener. I just wanted to set up the joke that if he makes it five, Heaney will definitely blow the wind for him, even though he's not going to go five. Screw you. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, you know, he's working his way back up. He had 60 pitches in his last outing on Tuesday. So, yeah, they are working him up. Almost certainly not going five unless he's just so super efficient, uh, looking like three or four innings. Kluber somebody that you're going out on the wires to look for. And if so, where do you prioritize him with uh, Cabrera and Boyd? I'm not necessarily. Um, I mean, maybe in a 15-team league, if I'm desperate, uh, he's probably the third option to Boyd and Cabrera, and, and maybe you know someone else kind of is available on my wire, like an Eliza Hernandez or something like that. Probably gonna mm-hmm. probably just gonna avoid Kluber. He has not looked good in these rehab starts. Um, so I'm you know including. He's uh, allowed seven walks in these eight innings uh, and hit three batters. Yeesh. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's underlying skills like that that I care more about than, like, the runs. Yeah, um, yeah I'm, not, I'm not as worried about, like, he, he's given up ten earned runs in these uh, eight innings. I don't really care as much about that as, like, he clearly does not know where the ball is going. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, it's not great. So, yeah, I'm with you. He's Kluber's third for me among these three and maybe even deeper, depending on what's available on a wire. I'll still have a, a you know, a, a token bid on him just in case. Mm-hmm. But um, that's not, I'm not hoping to necessarily come away with Kluber right now because uh, it could be, it could be some bumps in the road before he's even kind of back and it- fantasy viable. And I mean, part of the reason you go get a guy like Kluber is because he's on such a good team. It increases his ability to win games. But if he's not going to be going deep enough and Heaney's coming in as the follower, uh, like he's not going to be winning any games. What about picking up start? What about picking up Heaney as as the uh, piggyback where, where available? Does that interest you? I mean, I know it inherently interests you because you love Heaney, but but how viable is he for, you know, a, a two to four inning guy in the middle of the games? I mean, I think he's viable, especially in your leagues where you have starts limits. 
Mm-hmm. You know, though there are going to be people coming up against start limits here pretty quick. Um, if you're looking for a way to maybe try to sneak some wins without going over your starts limit, Heaney is a guy that becomes a little bit more interesting. But I mean, it's also Andrew Heaney, so like there is a lot of potential to get crushed. Um, you know, I mean, the Angels aren't necessarily a good team, but they have some pretty good offensive players on that team. Uh, so that's uh, that, that's a that's a scary you know first start of or uh, follow of the week. No doubt, no doubt. You, you you can definitely see yourself getting run up by them pretty quickly, and he knows all too well. Um, that's his former team, so he knows that his teammates can hit. Um, so yeah, be careful with both Kluber and Andrew Heaney. Prioritize Boyd and Cabrera this weekend where applicable. Let's put a couple guys in focus, and as I mentioned, these are studs. So we're really focused on 2022 because obviously they're automatic starts. First guy stowing Marte. He's just having this insane speed burst with oakland he has 18 stolen bases with them justin 18 Wait, what? just with them yes in 25 games he's 18 for 18 with two homers 355 391 486 line from Marte. he has been out of his mind you know when he was traded the one thing that i was saying as far as the speed was like don't discount that he'll run because yeah, Oakland doesn't run a lot, but who have they had to run? And they have turned him loose. They haven't just let him run. They have said, go, go, go. And he's been out of his gourd. So now he has 40 steals on the season, um, nine homers, 322 average, 67 total runs. Um, that's pacing for 123 full season runs, 17 homers, 74 steals. Uh, if he had played 162, he only has 88 games played because he did miss some time. He missed, um, what, what did he miss, most of May? Yeah, yeah. Half of April and most of May missed 35 games there. But he's been excellent when playing. What does this do for Marte's stock for next year? If he's going he's gonna to end up with like perhaps a 50-plus steal season, double-digit homers, brilliant batting average, does he creep into the second round even as a 33-year-old? Or is it fully dependent on where he lands because he's a free agent? Oh, I think he's a second rounder. Um yeah, I think I you're do. right. I, I, I think you're right. The speed potential alone makes him that. And then he's not like a zero in the power department either. Mm-hmm. Um and he's shown the ability to hit for average at times too throughout his career. So yeah, I think he I think he is um potentially a guy that could uh yeah wow that's i mean it's so crazy i did not realize he had had so many um he's changing leagues like like completely with those yeah. 18 steals like there's no doubt about it that he is changing leagues this is with how this much martes this running. year's mondesi or hampson or whatever i mean yep. obviously you weren't getting him off the waiver wire or anything but um this is just yeah so extremely impressive i mean what's even more impressive is just some of the underlying numbers as well like uh he, he's making a ton of uh zone contact almost 90 percent zone contact uh his o contact is 68 percent. so it's out of the zone he's hitting yeah. it more than two-thirds of the time 
Wow. Yeah, I mean, for just for reference, he is making almost as much uh, outside of the zone contact as guys like Matt Chapman, Joey Gallo, and Tobias <laughs> make in zone. Contact. I knew where you were going right away. Sorry, I just couldn't help but laugh because I knew where <laughs> that was headed. That's that's wild. Like Mar- Marte's a stud, and obviously he's been uh, a nice catalyst for this Oakland team. Um, he could be a complete game changer for them in the playoffs uh, yeah. as well. And speaking of Matt Chapman, you know, you're right to to point out that that uh, that contact issue with him. He's only hitting 225, but he's turning it on a bit too. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's been better here in August, and if they can kind of get the offense all going in the same direction, there, um, they could be a team to be reckoned with. I know they're probably not going to have Bassett for most of the playoffs. Um, he's definitely out for the rest of the regular season. But yeah, they, they can overcome that. They can overcome that loss and and really really put something together in the playoffs. Obviously, they got to win the wild card game. They could catch Houston. They're probably not going to. They're five back, but we'll see. They, they, they have to get into the wild card game. That's true. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Nothing's guaranteed there because they're actually third now. Uh, Boston and New York and, hold it, and the Mariners are game behind them. Mariners have quietly just stuck around. Yeah. The Mariners yeah. are going to be a scary team. Oh, I I really like where they're set up for next year, big time. Especially if they if they go out and spend this mm-hmm. off season, um, and they have the money to go and do that. Um, yeah, I mean, could you imagine if they go and get like a frontline ace oh, uh, and just like a really impact bat? Like, you know, they they were a team that was rumored to be in on Trey Turner. What if they go get a Trevor Story? Yeah, or Corey Seager. Yeah, or Corey Seager. You know, um, speaking of them, by the way, since since we've tangentially mentioned them, did you realize Kyle Seager has 30 homers? It does not surprise me. He had his 30th yesterday. He's only hitting 218, but you'll take the 30, 83, and three steals uh, with the 218 average because, again, to reiterate for the billionth time, that 218, it, it's not good. I'm not going to sit there and tell you 218 is good, but it's not killing you the way 218 would have in past years. Mm-hmm. And uh, – he won't be there actually. That his contract is yeah. up, so so the the double Seager link uh, won't work. Maybe they bring him back cheap. You know, I don't know what he's slated to make. I don't think his market yeah, will be that high. <laughs> uh, well, no, the team option of fifteen mil, they're not going to take that. Yeah, but I'm yeah. saying about re-signing him for mm-hmm. like I don't know eleven or something, and bringing Corey, that could be kind of interesting. We'll, we'll see what happens there with Kyle Seager. But anyway, Marte, second rounder. We're both in agreement there. I can't wait to see where he goes too, because I, you know, Oakland will will be too cheap to sign mm-hmm. him, even though I think he'll be relatively affordable for as good as he is, because he is a little bit older as well. But he is earning himself a few bucks. Yeah, um, he's gonna get finish. he's gonna get like a four year sixty million. That's that's a pretty fair deal though for for yeah. for a guy like that, and he's aging quite nicely. So we'll see what happens with Marte. Let's stick with a uh, a former Oakland Athletic here. Talk about Marcus Simeon, who has just exploded this year. He was definitely a popular pick for some folks, and uh, he has completely panned out. And then some two homer game puts him up to thirty two on the season with thirteen steals, two seventy one, three thirty six, five thirty six. Uh, he's tied with Jamer Candelario for those MLB high 34 doubles, by the way. He's also a free agent. Um, hitting with Toronto has absolutely helped him have a brilliant year. Where's he going next year? Is he also a second-round pick? 
Yeah, I think he is. Um, and I mentioned this uh, on Sunday's episode with, with uh, Jason and Matt Williams that uh, I took him as like, I want to say the 16th uh, baseball player off the board in my three-sport draft. I don't blame you, man. I love Marcus Simeon. He's been too. awesome. He needs one more shortstop game for dual eligibility next year. One more shortstop start, I guess. Um, or no, just game, 19 games. Um, so he, then he'd have second and short next year, which would be so awesome to keep that eligibility. I mean, this season is basically a carbon copy of 2019 telling folks that the 2020 was the fluke, the two months where he wasn't quite himself. And I hope that seeing a full season again has crystallized just how much of last year should not have been all that heavily regarded regard regardless of how well players played mm -hmm. it was it was two months it was just such a minuscule sample that making any stark judgments off of it was a really bad idea and 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 we're seeing that i mean you can look at it within this year take two month samples from people and compare it to their full season and how disparate they can be uh but Simeon completely bounced back looks exactly like this 2019 guy do you have any ideas on on where you'd like to see him wind up <laughs> resigning in toronto i mean yeah that would actually be amazing that's, that's where i'd love to see him end up um i don't think that's out of the possibilities out of the realm yeah. of possibilities at all i don't think so either i mean i think they uh he seems, I mean, by all accounts, he is just a really good teammate. Mm -hmm. um, and I think he's going to be one of these guys that gets a contract again, probably just like Marte, you know, like a four year, $60 million kind of uh, deal, maybe even more since he's, I think, a year younger. Uh, but because he's such a good teammate and such a good clubhouse guy, teams will prioritize that. And I, I you know, I think that would be a really good landing spot for him. Uh, as long as he's okay with not playing shortstop, uh, you know, full time, uh, you know, a place like Cincinnati, a place like Philadelphia uh, could be interesting for him um, as see, well. I could see Philly big time. Yeah. So I think there's a, there's a number of, of different spots he could end up because he can play second and short so effectively. Uh, but as long as he doesn't end up like in a bad stadium, uh, that I can't really think of one off the top of my head that I'd like be like super scared about that I think is a possibility. I think I think he's uh, gonna retain second round value next year. I think he's a good fit for my Tigers, but that would be a stadium that wouldn't be awesome. Like and he I, could still. I don't think that they're shelling out that kind of money yet for a, for a player like him. I, I think they're so stupid if they let this shortstop class pass. Like I, I think it's, I think it's a. a I true... felt the same way about my Giants until they re-signed Brandon Crawford. <laughs> I think it's a, I think it's a true fireable offense if if this class just goes by the wayside it fits the Tigers needs so perfectly obviously I am uh, uh you know biased here as a Tigers fan but like it it would just be so stupid if they do but I, I don't want to bog down on that I think Simeon's going to wind up you know like you said as long as it's not some cavern but even then like he did well in Oakland too so I'm yeah, not exactly sure. so I'm not super worried about it yeah, and he'll be 31 next year. Uh, I'm still taking him and, you know, 13 for 14 on the bases with those 32 homers, and he still has a whole nother month. And, I mean, he's also, like, a really good defender, too. Like, he, yes. he's a six-win player this year. So yeah, what he's, he's brilliant. Up as, yeah. he, he's just a great player. Marcus Simeon, what a beast. Also earning himself a bunch of dollars uh, with this brilliant season. All right, let's play some hold or fold. 
Uh, you might remember that at one point Harrison Bader was on fire, but now we've got him in the holder foldometer here because things have have gone cold. They've gone icy. And um, let's see, the last time he stole a base was on July 27th, so literally an entire month. Um, no homers in that time, too. 25 games, 160, 223, 181, zero homers, 0 for 1 on the bases. Holder fold with Harrison Bader on the heels of this brutal month. Yeah, I'm folding. <laughs> I just, uh, there, there's nothing much you can really glean from the numbers over the course of this uh, time where you go, oh, he's going to turn it around. He's swing outside the zone almost 40% of the time. Uh, do, you, do you have his strikeout rate over the last month by chance? I do. His strikeout rate is 29.1%. And, and there it is. That, that was what I liked about um, the, the surge was that the, the strikeout rate was really down, mm -hmm. and that was encouraging me uh, about Bader. And I'm like, yo, if he's got some power and speed here and he's making a lot of contact – this has viability. The second that turned, it, you, you got to move on. And I agree. I think he's. I think he's a fold everywhere, except for NL only. Of course, that's a totally different story. So when we say everywhere, I think we can. We'll specify, but we generally mean mixed leagues uh, because yeah. NLs and AL only leagues are just. You, you pretty much don't cut anybody that plays every day, like no matter what, mm -hmm. pretty much. But yeah, I think Bader's a mixed mixed cut across the board right now. Because uh, what what are you what are you hanging on for? The plate skills aren't even there, like you said. Yeah, I mean he still makes a, a you know good amount of zone contact, but he's just swinging too much. He's just swinging at everything. Um, you and think it's the case? Pardon me to interrupt you, but the, you think it's the case of feeling himself and wanting yep. to try to keep it going type of deal? I, I was that's literally what I was going to say. Okay. Yeah, I, I think he was like on a hot streak. He's like, I can do no wrong. <laughs> so just swung at everything, and that's been a problem. <laughs> yeah, turns out you can do a little bit of wrong, my guy, uh, because it's been it's been rough. It, it, it's it's truly been rough for Bader. So yeah, I'm I'm down to fold him as well. Adam Frazier has uh, quietly, but I'm gonna be honest, not surprisingly, come back to earth in a big way with San Diego now. It being isolated on its own line because it's with San Diego really stands out. We talk about this throughout the course of every year. You know, if he, if he was just doing this with Pittsburgh, we would probably notice, but it would just be part of his composite line and it wouldn't stand out as much. But in 26 games with them, zero homers, one for two on the bases, 227, 272, 268. It's just been a nightmare for Frazier. Still has a 304 average on the, on the year. Four homers, six for 11 on the bases. Maybe he shouldn't be running. Um, hold or fold with Adam Frazier? Who, uh, I think I'm folding. I, th I yeah. think you got to in 10s and 12s for sure. 15s as well? He's, he's not playing every day anymore. I mean, it's. Yeah, that was one thing about going to San starting, Diego. They're starting to like make him pinch hit. And, uh, he's no longer, he, he was either leading off or hitting second when he came to uh, San Diego. Now he's hitting seventh, eighth, ninth, mm -hmm. uh, or being a pinch hitter. Uh, yeah. I mean, if he's not playing, he doesn't have value. That is true. And the volume is what you really needed to have that mm -hmm. impactful batting average and some, some counting numbers, because I mean, the homers and steals sucked even with Pittsburgh, like it wasn't impressive at all. It was all batting average. So again, this shouldn't be that surprising that it's come back to earth like this. Um, you know, barring just a, a impossibly bad September as well, he should still end with a pretty good season. But 
I think this is kind of an easy cut. I think I would even cut him in 15 teamers. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't I see any real did. reason to hold him. Like he, he was spiking a great season. Uh, there's he's a, a lot of it was Babbitt fuel too. That's what I'm saying. That's and what I'm mean, saying. His Babbitt has dropped from 366 in the first half to 276 in the second half. And that's not even low enough to be like, oh, it'll regret it, it'll regress positively for him, and he can hit 300 in September. Like I, I, I don't think that anything's guaranteed with him. I, I could see him hitting 275 in September with no counting numbers. And you get nothing from Frazier. So, yeah, I think it's an easy cut, personally. I'm out. I'm, yeah, I think he's probably like a 275 hitter rest of the way. Like, Which I think is, it, because I mean, he's a career 312 Babip guy. Yeah. So, like, I think it's definitely going to get better than it has been, you know, since he got to San Diego. But, but it's like, not like it's a 204 Babip where you're like, oh, he's been so unlucky. No, he's just been. And if he's not playing every day, like, he can't volume his way to be valuable. Yeah. There's just, there's just not enough here. And, uh, it's an easy cut for me. I would say even easier than the Bader cut, to be honest. Because yeah, at least I think Bader, Bader, I think the Bader cut. Yeah, I think they're probably about the same because the Bader, you know, is at least going to play every day because of the defense. Mm-hmm. Um, but you may not want him to play every day. <laughs> True. You're like, can he ca- can he catch a day off, please? Yeah. Please. He's denting mm-hmm. my batting average left and right. All right, let's go to the bump. Talk a couple pitchers on hold or fold. Uh, Zach Presack. You know, when he was coming back. Uh, there were some big bucks paid for him, uh, unnamed value alone. But we look now, and this kind of goes back to my earlier point regarding 2020. He got super inflated because of it, because it was like, oh, this is the progression building on 2019. This is some linear growth, and uh, let, let's get on the Zach Plesak train. Well, his skills have reverted back to 2020, uh, 2019 levels, and he's, you know, pretty pedestrian and recently and i his his most recent start was was good against texas but not as good as you'd want against freaking texas for crying out loud Mm -hmm. and since returning in early july he has a 555 era with 35 strikeouts in 48 and two-thirds innings against a pretty friendly schedule i mean yeah he took a trip to toronto and they pummeled him that's tough but like texas minnesota um, KC, Oakland, he did well against Tampa Bay, uh, Detroit twice, St. Louis. Like, it's not a murderer's row here that's generating a 555 ERA for Plesak. I think it's his own failings. 11 homers in that time, too, is quite a bit. His command, uh, just isn't there. Hold or fold with Zach Plesak. Not just 11 homers, he's had a homer in every single game since oh. he's returned, and in his last in in. Three, or two of his last uh, uh, four uh, starts, he's allowed three walks. Like he's I no guess. longer even like the control guy, um, and he's definitely not really been a command guy, even mm-hmm. even when he was like cruising and stuff. Um, yeah, this is this is a real problem. Like I, I don't see, you know, maybe like he's been thrown off by. You know the hand injury uh, and stuff, and he's still trying to get maybe some feel and stuff back. But at least for this year, yeah, you got to cut bait. Uh, all mixers, I think so. Yeah, I think even fifteen teamers. Like how how confident are you to put if, him out if, there right now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he gave up five earned runs, six runs total, five earned runs against Minnesota. <laughs> 
Like, like seriously. And struck out two, like in, in four and two thirds. Like, I mean, yeah, no, I'm just not, I'm just not willing to run him out there. Yeah, I, I, I don't blame you. I'm, I'm with you on please sack. And, you know, I was one of those who who spent some money on him when he was coming back. It was in a 12-teamer where, you know, I, I was trying to make a big move. And I needed I needed that – I needed please sack to come back and, like, dominate mm-hmm. as part of that uh, potential second-half run. And he's obviously not done anywhere near that. Uh, I already cut him in that league. And if I had him anywhere else, I would. You know, I didn't – I can't say I saw this coming. I'm not. I'm not here to try to be like, oh, I, I knew he was going to be a 478 starter this year with mediocre strikeouts. But I wasn't super keen on him. I actually had Savali ahead of him, which was not an uncommon thing. But it was a divisive. He was a he was a divisive type player. Plesac was right. Mm-hmm. He was probably the most divisive player in fantasy this year. Well, his backers were very interested in him, and his detractors were very interested in telling you why you shouldn't be with him. Yeah, and I think. In reality, both sides were incorrect. Um, you know, I think people who really hyped on him obviously were wrong. Uh, but I also think some of the people who were who were kind of saying, well, he, you know, he's not this good. I think they, they may have been right in the long run, but right for the wrong reasons. Okay, that's fair. Um, because, I mean, he still has delivered a lot of length in these games, which was one of, one of the reasons why I said I would be willing to take him. Um the the issues have been like the command like the command is is a really big issue uh for him uh the control has been great throughout the majority of the season in spite of kind of a few hiccups lately um i still think there is some hope here with zach plesak moving into next year he may be a guy that's worth targeting um as a as a bounce back guy okay um was 2020 were were the 2020 strikeouts fraudulent or is there a path back to that level for you um mm, i don't i i don't think that that level uh that we saw where he was over a strikeout inning is possible but i do think um, you know, because even though he missed like a fair amount of time this year, he's already at 107 innings, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, he goes I, out there and he puts up some some game, some innings. Yeah, I think he could be a guy who is like a seven and a half strikeout per nine guy, but but um, throws 210 innings in a full yeah, healthy exactly. season. Exactly. Yeah, and, and volumes his way with like a, a you know high three ZRA. Uh, and a whip that is is really nice, and I think he can be kind of this, almost like a Matt Cainish workhorse. Mm-hmm. That's a, that, that's a good comp. Yep. That like isn't like that you, you're like oh man he he wasn't my ace, but he was a really really good number four that helped me win my league. Um, and I think that's the kind of guy he can be if he can if he can shore up the command a little bit. And unless Plesac goes off. In September, the price is coming way the heck down, like way, way down. I'm not 100% sure, but we're in like the 50th round of this three-sport draft, and I'm pretty sure he's still available. Wow. So, yeah, I mean. We're, we're talking like end of a end of a 15-team draft. People have come back to the pack with regards to uh, Zach Plesak as a whole. 
And uh, again, September will determine a lot of his draft price. If he closes strong, I think he'll start to trickle back up. People will start to get reinvigorated with regards to Pleat Sack. But if it's another, like, either mediocre to bad, price is going to plummet. And that could be the buying time. Buy, you know, a true buy low. Buy low when it's actually ugly and there aren't five glaring signs that say buy, buy, buy. Like, those buy lows are easy. Everyone does those. Mm-hmm. Trusting that somebody can develop, like Pleat Sack, that's a different story. Now, this next one, you might have been surprised when you saw him on the sheet. Like, what do you mean, hold or fold? Of course, fold. But this guy's still 61% at ESPN, and they cater to 10 team leagues, which means he is definitely scooped in most NFBC leagues, lots of 12s and 15s. That's Dallas Keuchel. Um, if he's 61% at ESPN, I mean, that's insanely high for a 461 ERA. 136 whip and 82 strikeouts in 135 and two thirds innings. Uh, hold or fold with Dallas Keuchel. Like I, 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 I couldn't believe he was that high at ESPN, 60% in 10 teamers. Um, since the break, he has a 587 ERA in 38 innings, nine homers, uh, two three homer games, doing a lot of heavy lifting there. But his command has been a problem. Uh, hell, even his control hasn't been you know, peak Keiko control at all here. So what are we doing with, with Dallas Keiko? I mean, I think you got to fold. Uh, yeah. Are you, are you stunned by that number? Or am I crazy? Yeah. I mean, he is 95% rostered in, in the main event. How? And started in 61% of leagues. Oh my goodness. Like I, I'm, I'm floored by that. I really am. I, I did not expect to see that when I was uh, searching for some hold or fold candidates, I was like, oh, he has to go on. We're talking about this guy. Um, I mean, he's getting shellacked by really bad teams. That's the part. Yes, that was going to be my next point. So expound on that. Okay. So, I mean, like, yes, he got he got beat up by Tampa Bay last time out. Um, I'm not worried about that. And he pitched decently well against Oakland the uh, the start before that. But prior to that, Minnesota drops four on him. Kansas City drops two. Okay, that's fine. Cleveland drops five. Oh, come on. You have Kansas to take City drops four. Detroit dropped seven hey. the beginning of uh, July. Like they're they're pretty good against lefties. I'm I am gonna sure, yeah. give them a little pass on that. But like the KCs and the Minnesotas and the but you Cleveland, get no strikeouts with any of that. So you that's just the thing. bad ratios. Like there's nothing like he, he he's getting you six strikeouts per nine. Oh my gosh, that's that's brutal. That that's I didn't even realize that it was a, a pretty favorable schedule for Keiko. Like I said, I just saw him He's as that in his division. Yeah, he doesn't have to go against his own team. And you would think that that would be a time to get right. And he's like, nah, these I guys mean, are hard. <laughs> between the beginning of July uh, and now, he's faced Detroit, Baltimore, Minnesota, Kansas City, Cleveland, Kansas City, Minnesota, Oakland, and Tampa Bay. And has not taken any advantage of it. And yeah, and he has a 602 ERA with 29 strikeouts in 49 innings. Wow. Wow. So I got to be honest, of all four that we've had here, he might be my easiest fold, followed by Frazier, then Bader, and then Plesak. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right. Well, let's get into some waiver pickups. Let's start with yours because, like I said, it uh, it pairs well with with the uh, Reese Hoskins news because this guy could definitely be a replacement for Reese Hoskins. 
Give us some thoughts on Bobby Dahlbeck for the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, Bobby Dahlbeck is a feast or famine type hitter, right? Like he's either on fire or he is absolute dog shit. <laughs> um, and right now he is on absolute fire. Big time. Uh, like it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous how good he's uh, hitting right now. Uh, over the course of the month of August, he is hitting 347, 429, 755 with five home runs. All five of those home runs off of right-handed pitchers. Wow. That's really nice. As a right-hander himself. Mm -hmm. Who struggles, struggles against righties. Hitting a cool 211 against them this yeah. year. Uh, prior to a few days ago, he's hit like 190-something. Oof. So, like, he's doing damage against everybody right now. Um, and Boston is letting him play. Uh, so like, you know, hit two home runs last night, he wrote him up on the road to write up. Uh, and that's where I kind of like, Oh, I mean, I need to make sure I, I got Bobby Dahl back on my team right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, because he's one of these guys we've seen it, right. We saw it last year in the, the short season, um, that can like just go on these unbelievable tears. Exactly. Uh, and, and like, and win people leagues and, uh, you know, in spite of the atrocious underlying skills. <laughs> um, because they are atrocious. And if he goes like, you know, if he has like three games where he goes over for three or over for four, like you're probably going to want to drop him or something like that. But right now I I'm, I'm rostering him wherever I can just, just to ride this hot streak. I like it. And yeah, these, these, these guys that are, are the boomer bust, as you highlight with regards to Dahlbeck, um, you can spike, you know, four homers in a week, and maybe you cut them the next week, right? I, I, I agree you should have a short leash here with regards to keeping Dahlbeck on your team. If he gives you a few homers, don't be afraid to jump off. Hell, if he doesn't, if you happen to pick him up and he goes cold again, just move on. Like I, I, I do think it's somebody you can be real quick trigger with, um, but definitely consider him this week, especially if you're trying to replace what was pretty premium power from, uh, from Reese Hoskins. So I like that Dahlbeck call out. Yep. My guy is Brandon Marsh, rookie for the Los Angeles Angels. You mentioned how you were very close to cutting him. You said in the main event league. Yeah, yeah, I was in my main event league, but he's I'm so he's been so good. So I'm it, glad I have him. Yeah, it's a good thing you didn't because he has really turned it on and started to show why he's a premium prospect and why uh, there's some real excitement around him. 404, 436, 596 over the last two weeks. Now, that does have a 690 Babbitt, which I'm going to go crazy and say is not going to maintain. What? Um, I, I, hey, man, I'm here for the hot takes. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm going to go out on that limb. And so hold me to that, okay? If he keep If he keeps it up, I want to be roasted for it. But <laughs> I don't think a 690 Babbitt is going to continue. So it's, it's definitely been, you know, a, a hot streak there because he's actually striking out 40% of the time in the midst of this run, which is kind of wild. Uh, so it's either he either strikes out or makes contact and the ball is finding some grass. Uh, one homer, one steal as well. I say, I say ride the hot streak here, see what's going on uh, with Brandon Marsh. Another quick trigger guy, though, with somebody who's striking out that much, if the BABIP comes way down and the strikeout rate does not improve at all and he's still just striking out way too much, you can move on quickly from him. But 
Pickens are a little bit slim. I saw somebody who's dominating here who does have some real upside, especially from like a power and speed standpoint. Mm -hmm. He does have three steals in the majors. You're not going to get a ton of speed, but you can get a little pop, a little speed playing every day for the Angels. That's what I thought about Brandon Marsh as a potential pickup. Um, is he he's somebody that uh, you would recommend picking up if you didn't already have him? Yeah, yeah, I, I would ride the odd streak with him. I think there's a ton of talent. Plus, the beard is amazing. Really is. Um, he looks exactly uh, like Jason Worth. He's another guy that I I took uh, really late in my in my three sport. Uh, I, I like it. I can't wait to um, get him on some teams for next year. I'm really excited for a full season of Brandon Marsh, and I hope he can not just tap into Jason Worth's look, but also his plate skills and up that walk rate, bring down the strikeout rate. He's, he's at a 10 walk rate, which I like from a rookie. But if he can up that even further, bring down the strikeouts, tap into the power and uh, and speed completely. There's a lot to like with Brandon Marsh. So absolutely. That's what I like there. All right, Justin. Great speaking with you this week. Good luck with your bids. I know we're both in the in the home stretch here with the, with some leagues where we can uh, make some noise. So best of luck getting everybody and we'll talk on Monday. Take it easy.